I um, intended to listen to Joel's sermon last week, last week's sermon, and I didn't get around to it. So I confess I didn't hear it, but I heard about it. And so I heard good things about it. So, and I did read it before, you know, we reviewed it and everything before he, he, he preached it pretty much. So. so good job, Joel. Thank you, Joel, for filling in when I was away. We'll look to you more often. <laughs> but I know you're a busy man. We'll try to, you know, not overwhelm you or anything like that. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> heard from Daniel this morning. He has vertigo. So let's just pause a moment and, and pray for him too. Father, we lift up Daniel to you. Uh, Lord, we have uh, have a number of people who have had vertigo, Lord, recently. And we know, Lord, your hand brings us recovery. Lord, we pray that you minister recovery and comfort to our brother right now. We know how horrible that can be. And Father, I pray that you help him to be careful when he moves around. We pray that you give him remedy and, and recovery from whatever the source is that's, that created the vertigo. And bring him back, Lord, to be able to fellowship and minister among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, statistics show that 100% of people interact with other people. What a, what a study, huh? So let's test that today. How many of you have interacted with somebody today? Raise your hand. Okay. Most of you have your hand up. Today's sermon is a topic about it's, it's really a, a vitally important topic to all of us at West Oahu, and it's a topic that we're going to go into. It's on the West Oahu Social Covenant. Social Covenant is um, just a short list of little features, important features that we want to see in our interactions with each other. <clears throat> the foundation of this was our acrostic faith, F-A-I-T-H. So as we finish that sermon series last week, we want to, let me just test you right now. So Joel, don't put up the acrostic for faith. Okay, so our acrostic is faith. Okay, so what does F stand for? Faithfulness. Okay, being faithful. What does A stand for? Available. Good. What does I stand for? Initiative. Right, people with initiative. How about T? Teachable. That's memorable. Okay, how about H? Heart. That's right. Put that all together. And these are the kinds of things that God wants us to have as we live out our faith. And uh, these are, hopefully, we can do this anywhere we go, but we would like this to be a characteristic, these things to be characteristics here at West Oahu Christian Church. Now, how do we actually interact in our day-to-day interactions? Genesis tells us a story of God who created humanity and the problems that occurred. If I may just summarize real quickly Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it goes like this. God created us in His image. We sinned, and when we sinned, it's like having dropped a mirror. 
And when you drop a mirror and that mirror hit the ground and it shattered into a thousand pieces. And now we are trying to get those pieces and put them back together. It's as if we are trying to, with the best advice that God has given us, see how we can relate with each other. Next week we're going to talk about the many different issues that started when sin entered the world, and that was just the beginning. But we're going to see how we need really the grace of God to help us. Today's message is if you were to have an image that's shattered, the image of God in us when we fell, shattered. If we were to be able to put that back together, it's much like trying to put together a jigsaw puzzle. And when you try to put together a jigsaw puzzle, the easiest thing to do to put that together is to look at the picture on the box, right? All of you look at the picture on the box, you get to see what that is about. And that's what we want to do today. We want to get First and foremost, before getting into the weeds of, I shouldn't call it weeds, in, into the really beautiful plants of, of our, of our uh, social covenant, we want to look at the, the beautiful picture of what God had intended and how He created us. Let's pray. Father, we commit to You the service today. We ask, Lord, that You would give us really just the beginning of seeing You in Your wondrous Self, as you've re revealed yourself to us, because that's how you would like to restore us to being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional, but grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay, really. 
Can I come to church and do that if, if you don't have the muscles? Isn't that great? Central Christian Church wants people to know what church really is. It really transcends denominations. It transcends our particular beliefs. If we were to poll all of us here, we have little different beliefs and a lot of different things. We'll be surprised just how different uh, we think on things. Now, we do want to agree on certain major tenets of the Bible. <clears throat> if you look at our statement of faith, there are only really five statements. Some churches have a whole list of them. We only have five. And what that means is that there are certain things that are important we want to unite on, and we can think differently and love each other, uh, love each other and be charitable about our differences. Amen? <clears throat> there are two stories I want to tell. Story number one. When I first became a Christian, I was really messed up. I, uh, uh, you guys know my story. I was a, um, you know, my, the main things was going to the beach, playing some music, and uh, doing some drugs, and going to the movies, and things like that. And I, uh, when I received Christ, I was very apprehensive, very nervous about going to any kind of Christian fellowship. I went to this fellowship because I was invited. The guy who led me to Christ said, we have a Bible study. You want to come? I said, uh, I guess so. And so I went, and I was shocked, and I felt out of place because of how respectful and loving they were to each other. And even when they criticized each other, it was done in a strangely honoring way. I, I, I didn't get it. I just I wasn't used to that. Not long ago, here's story number two. I was speaking to a believer who said when they first attended church, they were really shocked and disillusioned by the actions and speech of other Christians. This person was not a believer at the time. And she shared that she had no idea that people in the church would behave and speak so terribly to each other. A tale of two stories. Of course, I was saddened by that testimony. And, uh, but I wasn't surprised. Relationships make a big difference in the church. <clears throat> and sadly, this testimony, the latter testimony, is more common than we think. Hopefully, the first testimony is also more common than we think. Now, there are two good answers to this situation. Two really good answers to this situation. One is an easy answer. And one is a hard answer. And the easy answer to this problem is that people have their eyes fixed on people rather than on God. The answer to this problem is to fix your eyes on God. Because when people are faulty, we have an opportunity to let them know that we're saved by grace. And we have the same grace needed to us as anybody else needs Okay, so that's the easy answer. The hard answer is that people are so visible and conspicuous that it's hard to see God behind their actions. The reality of this hard answer is that growth is a slow process. The reality is we all have blind spots. And everyone is at a different stage of growth. Today, my aim is to give you the easy answer. So, not, not copying out on the hard answer, 
We're going to get to that later. But we have to start with the easy answer because that really, believe it or not, is the most important place to start, to be able to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the place to start. So the Bible says that God originates, and He, he originates, He sustains, and He guides, and then He consummates. Consummates, that, that's a, just a fancy word meaning that God's going to bring us to a place in the end that it's, that it's all going to be good in Him for those who are in Him. So easier to use the word consummate. So I'm using that word consummate. Our social covenant is intended to encapsulate a lot of God's guidance and to guide us at West Oahu Christian Church in how to work toward edifying and empowering relationships so that we can be, hopefully, more and more all that Jesus wants us to be and grow more back into that image of Christ. So, for us to best understand the social interactions that God desires, the first thing to do is to look at God Himself. So, again, it's like looking at that jigsaw puzzle. So, today what I want to do is to take a, a look at that big jigsaw puzzle. There's a lot more to this picture of the jigsaw puzzle, but we're going to start here. And hopefully this will stimulate you on that path of looking beyond in the Bible of simply these rules as being to-do, a to-do list. Oh, I better do this, I better do that, I better do that. And see the person who's behind all of these rules so that we can actually, more than be faithful in doing things, we'll be faithful in growing into the image of God. So I want to begin here with the, the original design. What is our original design? Genesis 1 and 2. Our original design isn't actually found in Adam and Eve. Our original design is found in God. And you might be surprised, but God is where relationship starts. The word, Hebrew word for God is the word Elohim. And the word Elohim is a plural form of a word. Every time you see that word God in the Bible, the word that's translated God is almost always the word Elohim in the Old Testament, that is, the Hebrew, the Hebrew Scripture. For example, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, okay, let's try that again. In, Genesis 1.1, first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. That word God is, is plural. <laughs> so it, it doesn't look like that for us because we don't use the word God's. It's actually in a singular usage, plural word in a singular usage. It's, it's a little bit complicated. We don't understand it that much. Our English language does not lend itself to communicating some of those nuances. So let's take a look at Genesis 1, verses 26 to 27. Now, this is where God imprints His image upon us. <clears throat> okay, so um, it's in your notes as well as on the projection. So why don't we go ahead and read that together, okay? Ready, go. Then God, Elohim, said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. 
Male and female, He created them. By the way, I refer, I refer to this verse a fair amount when I talk up here because in my mind, it just automatically all goes back to God. And so, if you have not memorized this verse, I would recommend you memorizing it. It's a, it's a wonderful verse to, to answer a lot of people's questions. People ask the questions that go back to this verse all the time, but I mainly want to reserve our discussion here to the idea of social relationships. What is it about this God? First of all, he said, God, Elohim, let us make man in our image. Those are plural. What's that about? We thought we worship just one God, a monotheistic God. And yes, we do. God is just one. But there's a song we always sing, right? Holy, 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 God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. So we find that there are what we call complementary aspects to the person of God. And what do we learn? We learn here that God is plural. He exists in an internal, eternal, eternally, internally, He is plural inside of Himself. And so our human relationships flow from this image. It's mysterious. In fact, I have this book. It's called The Mystery of God. The idea of a mystery of God is not something to figure out, but something to behold and be wondered by, be awed by. And it's like the idea of wonder is, wow, that's what it is. You can't figure this out, but you don't need to figure it out. God in the New Testament is revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I'm going to suggest, as part of your reading, I'm going to have homework at the end of this, read Genesis 2 and 3, but I'm also going to suggest you read chapters four, four, uh, John chapter 14 through 17. John chapters 14 through 17 provides a heavy dose of the, of the Trinity, the persons of the Trinity. So we're going to take a look at just one verse today. We're not going to go through all those verses. One verse will help you give, give you a, 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 an idea of what many other verses are saying. So let's go ahead and look at that, and let's read that together. John 14, 15 to 17a. Okay, let's read that. Ready, go. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So here we have Jesus, the Son of God, speaking to the people, saying, you guys obey me, and I'm going to give you the Father. I will ask the Father, and the Father is going to give you the Holy Spirit. We have the Son going to the Father, telling, asking the Father to give people the Holy Spirit. And we find many of those scriptures like that. We're not going to go through them. You just go ahead and read them. And here's what we find. We find revealed in the New Testament, God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's observe some things about the Trinity community relationship. So one of the things I want to make sure that we understand here, there is a, and this is not in my notes, but I'm just going to give it to you. There's an idea that God is modalism. It's called modalism. That is, God is like one actor putting on the face of one, one actor, and he's putting on the face of another character, putting on the face of another character. We don't believe that. That's actually a heresy. So what we believe is that God is, there's only one God, but there are three distinct persons. 
Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. They're all distinct. And we don't understand that, and so we try to deny this revelation and try to fit it into our own thinking. But let's not do that. Let's just let the Word of God speak. So what do we find by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Let's observe a few things about the Trinity community. That, first of all, they have their identical nature, that is, their God, their deity. All of them are deity. But they have distinct persons, and they're in relationship with each other. We also find that the Father, the very word Father, implies implicit into that name Father that you have a child. You wouldn't have the name Father without a child. Likewise, Son implies that you have a parent. You're not going to be a son if you don't have a parent. It's a necessary relationship. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not losing you here. But Jesus is saying this is absolutely already essential. It's part of who we are. The Spirit, the Spirit of what? Is it just loose spirits floating around? No, it's the Spirit of God. It's the pneuma, the breath of God. That breath of God is what gives life to all these things and, and connects us all together. So we see the Father loving the Son, the Son obeying the Father, the Spirit conceiving Jesus' physical body in order to bring Him into this world. The Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. The Spirit does the will of the Father and of Jesus Christ. The Spirit gives glory to Jesus Christ. You'll find out all of these things in those passages of Scripture, John 14 to 17, if you read that. So it's like, here's, here's the... So here's a question that we have to ask nowadays, right when we're right here, pondering these questions. How much like this are we? How much like this is our social relationship? How much do we value our being in relationship with each other versus our independence? Our country, a lot of good pros and cons to every country. Our country values a lot of independence. Some people put that as the highest value. If that were the case, how much like that, how much like God are we? How much of that mentality sneaks into our thinking, and above all, it's about me? Think about that. Second attribute I want to point out here is love. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. If you take a look at those two verses there, uh, <clears throat> a number of verses in that box, you find that the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. The Son makes this, Father makes this declaration to the people at Jesus' baptism. Um, he, he is my Son, whom I love. Jesus makes a likewise declaration back to the, back to the, back to the people, I mean, back toward the Father, to the people. He says, I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. John 14, 31. John 14, 31. This declaration of love, you know, I saw this commercial, maybe you've seen it. On, uh, on, on, it's a New York Life commercial. It actually talks about the four kinds of love in Greek. Did you guys see that commercial? It's a pretty amazing commercial. It talks about storge love. Storge love is a family love. Uh, it talks about eros love, a romantic kind of love. It talks about phileo love, a friendship kind of love. And it talks about agape love, a self-giving kind of love. And what do we see in God? 
We see in God all of these kinds of love. We see a brotherly love. Jesus came and he became our brother. We see a friend kind of love. And, of course, not only a family love and brotherly love, but the father and child is a, is a family kind of love as well. Uh, romantic kind of love. Jesus is our husband. He calls us his bride. In fact, the very nature of marriage in Ephesians chapter 5 says that the marriage on earth is a reflection of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. These are amazing thoughts that, that uh, God is, uh, has characteristics of uh, brotherly love, of uh, friendship love, of romantic love, and of course, agape love. Agape is a self-giving love, which is the very nature of God Himself. And all of these things uh, reflect God's love, and it's lived out to the world, God's interaction with the world. So here's a question we need to ask ourselves. To what degree have we heard the words, I love you? Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're a woman, you probably think, oh, yeah, we say that all the time. If you're a guy, you're thinking, I don't know if I want to say that. They're kind of creepy, you know? So how much like God are we? It's a pretty convicting message. And not even talking about our problems yet. We're going to get to that next week. Look at this, hierarchy. There's also hierarchy. A son imitates the father. He receives the, from the father. He pleases the father. It's never the reverse. The, father, the son is there to obey the commands of the... That Jesus is there to obey the commands of the Father. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and Jesus. And the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus and glorifies the Father, never Himself. How about this? Absolute respect. Absolute respect. Not one... Uh, it's an honoring relationship. Complete humility, devoid of any kind of pride. There's no need for any pride in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relationship. How about this? They're distinct and they're diverse. God is, the image of God, the character of God is not monolithic. It's not just one piece of concrete like that. And you don't find the Father coveting being the Son, the Son coveting being the, the Father, the Holy Spirit wishing He were the Father. You don't find any of that happening. There's such a peace in their distinction and their, their diverseness. We talked about unity. We talked about unity and oneness. How about this one? Person to person. The relationship in the triune God, God is always person to person. There's no indication that God sends email. Now, of course, we have to work within our limitations. I'm not saying don't use email, all right? Um, but in God, it's always in person. There's, you know what? That indicates there's no hiding. No blocking. It's relational. You see this commercial sitting of these guys sitting around, young guys sitting around. All of them are on their phone in the same room. All of them are on their phone doing whatever they're going to do. And suddenly there's this uh, close-up of the text. Hey, you guys want to go eat over here? He sends that, sends that text to all these other guys. And they all go, 
yeah, let's go. They all get up and say, let's go eat. And they all, and, uh, so they're communicating through the device, right? Now, devices are convenient and they are helpful to us because we are not God. But note that with the Holy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's always an in-person relationship. There's truth and light, absolute truth and light that speaks of honesty and transparency and vulnerability, no need to hide, omniscience, life-giving, eternal, all of these wonderful aspects here. And as we look at the, the, the individual lines of the social covenant, we're going to be putting that up in the church, rather than thinking about them as a to-do list, think about them as pointers to the person of Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit who lives in you and lives in me. When God created man in His image, He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And it, the Bible also says, the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. So up to this point, God and man enjoyed perfect, beautiful relationship. But then the fall occurred. The fall introduced sin. It corrupted everything in the world. The fall produced a break in the relationship between God and man. Sin led to hiding, led to coveting, led to blame shifting, led to division, scheming, plotting. But God, but God pursued us. And He has been pursuing us ever since. Do I hear a hallelujah? Hallelujah. And the book of Revelation tells us how it's all consummated. That beautiful picture Revelation 21 and 22 gives. That's the, that's the finished picture of the jigsaw puzzle. And we could take a microscope and look at it even closer if we do. But for today, that's all we need to do. I'd like to ask the band to come up and as I share a few where we go from here, we've only barely scratched the surface. But it is enough, what I've talked to you enough is to simply give us an idea that when we look at these lines of a social covenant, even wonderful verses like love one another, we should go all the way and say, because God loved you and God is love. But not all the verses say that, right? Encourage one another and, and uh, build each other up. Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says that. But we should relate that back to God. All these words on relationship, relate it back to God we will not only see how and why we should do what we do, but we will be able to see the problems that we have and the solutions are not simply another to-do, although they are things we should do. It's not always easy to forgive my brother in Christ. I know I need to do that, but where do I look for that? Image of God. Does that make sense? Let's look to that picture of God. This leads us to two things, to worship and fall, fall down and praise our Lord Jesus Christ and praise the Father and praise the Spirit because they're perfect. That image they give us is perfect. It leads us to 
also to repentance because we immediately see ourselves and we see let's we're not like that we we're like peter when we see jesus when he sees jesus pull in a big haul of fish and he says depart from me master for i am a sinful man but the god who pursues you says i want to change you I invite you now to embrace that change. Lord, we know you want to change us. But Lord, before just changing, Lord, help us to get a glimpse of you. And your Holy Spirit will give us the power to change. If there are people who are in this congregation who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, that's the place to start. Receive him into life and invite him in saying, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I have failed. I want you in my life so you can change my life into that beautiful kind of relationship that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. I make you Lord of my life today. And if you pray that prayer, Jesus comes into your life. He will save you and begin changing you. Perhaps you're here and you've been a long-time believer God's still working on you. Pray that same prayer, Lord. Change my life. Work in me, O God. Work in me. Father, we need your help. Help us all, Lord. Help us to demonstrate the Trinity relationships that we can't do it without you. Thank you, Lord, for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.